Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I feel like crap. How are you? Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, every time the seasons change, I yes. sound like this. Yeah. And I'm sure that longtime listeners are like, oh, it's the spring cold. Oh, it's the fall cold. Oh, right. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just a function of my body going, I don't like weather of any kind. <laughs> yeah, right. I would, I, part of me wants to move to San Diego and live where it's 72 degrees all the time. But then I think, but they have no seasons. And I don't know. I, I like I would, seasons. Yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. have to deal with, you know, but I'm glad you don't have a cult. And people will know we're not recording like we used to in the very tiny, small space in the library where you have to sit close together. So yay for Augie. He's not going to get this cult. Well, I'm not going to get it from you. Remember, oh, right. I, I mean, you have I, I, an 11-year-old well, that's yeah. going to critter camp. So you, anything could happen. You could come. You, she could come up with, I don't know, what it, rabies. She might come up with rabies, and you'll have something even worse. Um, oh, let's well, not. see. Yeah, let's not go there because then yeah. it requires a bunch of shots. shots. And she'll, she'll really dislike me. Uh, no, I'm. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you're feeling uh, poor. Uh, I'm physically feeling all right, but I'm feeling a little disqualified. You know, <laughs> I'm going to just say we're we're going to here to talk in case people are wondering from the title, um, like burning a house in the name of fire safety. It's a it's a weird time in American yes. politics. Yes. So uh, audience listeners will be hearing this in early spring of 2024. Yes. Um, and Donald Trump has just been the, the Colorado Supreme court by a four to three vote said, you can't be on me on the ballot. And I went, huh? Yes. And then I, my first call was to Augie. Can they do that? And Augie was like, well, it's complicated. complicated, which is because that's his usual answer to everything. <laughs> and when he doesn't say it, Chris Saladino says it. So, yeah. like somebody in Polly is, it's their job on any given day to say, "Well, it's complicated," um, and they all just take turns saying it to you. But it, it tell yeah, me so how this is. Tell me how this is a thing. So, by the time uh, this episode airs. Uh, the number of states that will have ruled um, will go up significantly um, because uh, at uh, the day we are recording, which is a few days uh, before the start of the new year, um, there are at least 16 cases in the United States where individuals or groups. In the, have, in the system, Right. Yes. Okay. In various stages of the system. Yes. Whether it be state courts or federal courts have filed lawsuits challenging former President Donald Trump being on their state's election ballots for next year. Now, listeners uh, are probably aware that uh, with our election process, with our presidential election process, there are two stages, right? Um, and gratuitous self-plug for the podcast, 
Um, uh, this podcast will be doing a number of town hall events next year related to the 2024 um, federal elections. Yeah, because this one's going to be exciting. Okay. So they have submitted challenges to remove former President Trump from the, typically right now, the primary ballots in the various states. Does this go back to the constitutional phrase that you have tried to teach me over and over and see, I'm going to have a partial use of it, and you're going to go, no, 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 Nia. Um, Time, place, and manner of elections are determined by the states? That is correct. Yep. Okay, so this is the basis under which a state is saying, I have the right to decide who's on the ballot. That's okay. right. Now, so I got it right. Yay. See, you are teaching me. It's only taken four years. No, 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 no. <laughs> but there's another part of the Constitution that these challengers to Trump being on the ballot are using. And right, because um, normally you're challenged on the ballot for things like you didn't get in your stuff in on time, you didn't have enough signatures. signatures. Right. Like uh, there's right. there's technical reasons why uh, yeah. people don't end up on ballots. It's not usually constitution constitutionally right. driven. Okay. And this in in these challenges are all driven by a clause of the Fourteenth Amendment that probably most Americans before these challenges were unaware it existed. Well, with the exception of uh those unfortunate souls who took my constitutional law, civil rights, civil liberties. Which I have not taken. And by the way, I was one of those many, many multitudes of Americans that, that was like, wait, there's huh? an insurrection clause? Yes. What? So, and I'm not, I can't, I don't get to be surprised that there's an insurrection clause because I don't have the constitution memorized, but what does it, what does okay. it actually say? Okay. So the uh, 14th amendment was passed after the civil war, right? Section three of the 14th Amendment, the infamous insurrection clause. And here's a quote, um, and if any of my students or former students are listening, uh, yes, okay, there's actually a quote, even though I'm not a big fan of quotes. Section three reads, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president or hold any office, civil or military under the United States or under any state who have previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of a state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. And the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868. Yes. So these are people who, they're, they're quite a number of years on from the revolution. Like I was thinking, oh, it's a revolutionary thing, but it's not. It's a civil war thing. Yes. Right? And it's a it's a response to civil war, the civil war. It's not a response to the, to the revolution. Yeah. And the drafters. It comes much later. Yeah, the drafters of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment were pretty clear when they were debating. <laughs> they go into pretty strong detail here. Yeah, but they were very clear when they were debating 
and discussing the proposed 14th Amendment that Section 3 of the amendment was designed to punish those Confederate officers who had previously sworn an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution who might want to regain government employment after the Civil War ended. All right? Well, yeah, because it paid okay. well. Um, and and the the probably the 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 individual or case that really drove the inclusion of Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment was the case of Alexander Stevens. Um, oh, uh, there's always a guy. Yeah, he was uh, at one point the the vice president of the Confederate government. Um, and he wanted to rejoin the United States Congress. And many of his former members in the Congress were like, whoa, 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 dude. Okay. You can't on one hand swear an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution, but then go ahead and join the Confederacy. To secede. To secede. And then when you guys lose... You want to go ahead and rejoin a body of a government, okay, that you tried to take down, okay? Right. Um, right. I mean, yes, that, yes. It. I. I don't think that's unfair. I'm. No. I'm. Mm -mm. I'm no. of the opinion that well, you 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 can't get to what do they call that double dipping? You know, with your chip. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, right. You stay yeah. out of the. You stay out of the bean dip twice with that tortilla, there, buddy, because. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, it's, not. It's, it's like when you play pool and your sometimes opponent. Sometimes you just have to lose and then walk away. Like you don't yes, get to. Yeah, when you're playing pool and your opponent says, "I want a do-over." <laughs> you're like, no. You know, no, you don't get a do-over. Took... Not if you're playing for stakes. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing for fritos or something, you know, like yeah, M and M's, but, but like it's... we used to play poker when I was a kid. My parents let us play for M and M's because there's no like. There's not a gambling addiction involved with M and M's. Usually, there's chocolate addiction, but whatever. But but the I mean, idea it's, it's, that, it's, it's that on the serious playing, level, yeah, of if you're being if you're, a senator or being a congressperson, and and then going away, and not only going away, but being the vice president of the thing, like he's not even a basic foot soldier. He's yeah, he was high a vice up in president. the hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. Now. Let's be very. I can clear. see why they'd be offended. Yeah. I would have been offended too. I'd have been like, no, no. But let's now be. Now you're just making me crabby. To be to be clear, though, Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment has hardly ever been used. <laughs> okay, in part because most of the former Confederate officers had no desire to return to the you know the US federal government or even state governments right okay right. they were true believers in the cause yeah they were true believers in the cause and they're the ones who you know fomented if you will in the late 1800s early 1900s um you know various segregationist policies resistance to okay um uh, the US federal government post civil war right these guys go on to make jim crow basically yeah um, in my research, I have found three instances where it was used. Now, interestingly enough, the most recent uh, was in 2022. 
um, a county um, uh, commissioner in New Mexico, um, Cooey Griffith. I love that name. Um, uh, uh, he was an individual um, who uh, argued, or excuse me, he actually participated in the riot slash insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Afterwards, okay, um, uh, he was disqualified from his position uh, per Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, okay? Now, Congress has only used it twice, okay? They used it um, in the 19-teens, um to remove an anti-war lawmaker, Victor Berger, okay, because he did not support the United States joining World War the World War One, if you will, effort. You know, ah. the United, okay. Um, but then uh, before that, um, and I love this name. Uh, the only other time it was applied to was to a former Confederate officer, Zebulon Vance. Ah, Zebulon. Okay, you Lovely don't see, city in North Carolina. Well, you don't get a lot of Zebs anymore. And certainly <laughs> don't see very many Zebulons, right? Nope. Okay. Um, uh, uh, but interestingly enough, he uh, later on was allowed to rejoin government service. So after Vance or Berger or both? Uh, Vance. Uh, uh, both. Both were. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. In regards to but the But interesting that this guy, this commissioner in 2022, was not. Yeah. He was booted because yeah. he was perceived to be an insurrectionist. That's you right. are going there to overthrow the, the electoral process of the United States. Yes. Okay. Now, he actually, you know, was a part of the mob who, you know, broke down doors, entered the Capitol, et cetera. Right. The Trump situation is different because with Trump, he didn't go to the Capitol. Instead, he gave a, <laughs> gave a speech saying, okay. And then at the end of his speech, he said, all right, let's go. And then he got in his car and drove back to the White House. <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, okay. what? <laughs> okay. I, I, it's funny to me that anybody that they showed up and there was no Donald Trump and they went ahead and did it anyway. Like I'd have been pissed, you know. I would have left. I would have been like, "Heck with that guy." Yeah, I mean, our our leader's not here. Okay, I'm going right. Home. Okay, exactly. Okay. I'm not. You okay. know, I, I don't know. Cut. My fervor doesn't run that deep. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I got you know. I I got coffee and movies. You know, coffee to drink and movies to watch. Right. Exactly. And I got to get up in the morning and go to work. Like this is not this is yeah. not happening. So, here's what's interesting, Nia. There are, if you will, three prominent legal issues with the Trump case. Okay. One. Does Donald Trump's behavior qualify as an insurrection or giving aid to the enemies of the United States? Okay. So specifically, what's at issue is his speech on January 6th. Okay. All right. Now. And that's quite a debate, right? Because the question there is – 
does interrupting the electoral process That's constitute insurrection or giving this is where words actually matter yes when um, when when people were describing it day of and then they're describing it later this is where words actually matter where intent is important right what are you trying to do if you are trying to overthrow election results is that is that it, is it, looks like an insurrection right like that, that's is that an insurrection or conversely as trump has been charged by uh special prosecutor uh smith he's never been charged with insurrection and nia we know mm. that there is a specific legal definition in the federal code in regards to insurrection because of our Constitution Day lecture this past fall, okay? Um, and if any of our listeners want that, um, uh, uh, send me an email or send me an email. Uh, there is uh, a recording of that lecture, and you can go ahead and, and watch it, okay? You can probably but, find it on YouTube. Yeah, but I yes. mean, okay. We're happy to, we're happy yeah. to help you locate that. Um, what Trump has been charged with by Special Prosecutor Smith, okay, is obstructing an official proceeding, because what was to occur on January 6th was that the United States Congress was to ratify, right. okay, the Electoral College votes taken in the 50 states, all right? So and that... That's an easier thing to prove than Ooh. insurrection would be, because insurrection well, is kind of subjective. Well, but is but then it begs the question: Is obstructing an official proceeding a form of insurrection, or is it giving aid to the enemies of the United States? Either way, it's not a good look. <laughs> no, it's not a good. Look. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that either way, it is not a good look. The second legal issue um, is also very is, – is caused quite a bit of conflict and debate. Is the president of the United States – and remember, on January 6, 2021, Donald Trump was still the president. Right, because Joe he's Biden, president until, until January, January 21st 20th, or 20th or – January 20th, right? Right. Okay. So is the president – an officer of the United States, all right? And some of you might be saying, well, of course he is. Ah, but go back to the language of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, the Insurrection Clause, okay? Of all the people who are listed, okay, in Article 3, right, the President of the United States is not listed, yeah, I mean, I would argue that they just kind of assumed that because the president stands up and takes the oath of office in front of like a freaking metric ton of people. Okay. Now, there is quite a bit of scholarly <laughs> debate on this. Okay. Yeah. So for so for instance, Josh Blackman um argues that uh the president is not an officer of the United States. Um Whereas other scholars like Will Boddy and uh, Ilya Salmon claim that historically and commonsensically, 
to your point, Nia, right. the president has to be an officer of the United States, that it was simply an error, okay, um, an error of omission, not commission, okay? The right, framers... they just left it out because they just made the assumption that it was obvious or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah, right? The third legal issue is, do state courts have jurisdiction to determine if a candidate is covered under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? And again, this is confusing. On one hand, the 14th Amendment rather specifically applies to state governments. The framers of the 14th Amendment were concerned that the former Confederate states, southern and border states, okay, after the Civil War, would not grant equal protection under the law, due process, privileges and immunities, okay, to their citizens, particularly African-American males, all right, post-Civil War, that they would want to return to the conditions pre-Civil War where, you know, African-Americans had no legal and political rights. Right. However, Section 5 of the 14th Amendment says only Congress can pass laws that implement the first four sections of the 14th Amendment. Well, if Congress has not passed a law or passed a resolution removing Trump from any of the state ballots, do state courts have any jurisdiction? And this goes In terms back of insurrection. Okay, but again, Nia, that's what the clause focuses on. Right, right. But uh, what uh, I'm uh, saying is they can conceivably the keep him off the ballot for other reasons. Well, they could because that goes back to the first point that you made in the podcast episode. There's another clause in the U.S. Constitution that says the time, place, and manner of elections is to be determined by the states. Okay. So what you're telling me is there are contradictions in the Constitution? Oh, my goodness. Shocking. No. There know. cannot possibly be gambling be in this establishment. Establishment, right? Okay. <laughs> so those are the three main legal issues. Okay. Now now let's get to – So the Supremes how... need to solve this. Uh, well, okay. So... Right? Because if it if it comes down to a question of do the, do the lower courts have the right – to judge these, th that's going to have to be a Supreme Court answer, isn't it? Well, well, I mean, any of these three legal issues are going to have to be addressed by the United States Supreme Court, right? They're going to love that. Okay, and in particular, J. Rob somewhere oh. is like, bring me another margarita. I just need <laughs> another gallon of margaritas to get through this. Yeah, I, I fully, uh, fully um, uh, imagine. That for Christmas dinner, okay, as his uh, he ate tums. Okay, <laughs> I was going to go. What are you having? Little... I'm having tums. <laughs> I was going to go a little bit further, Nia. Okay, you know he went ahead and turned to his uh, 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 his spouse and said, um, "Can I have a second helping of Xanax, please?" That's right? exactly. Okay, Xanax and tums. <laughs> okay, so, so okay, so but it, but but. but in particular, I think the Supreme Court has to take this case. Yeah. Because there's conflict. Or one of these cases. That, because there's conflict between the states, state courts that have already ruled 
or state government officials who have ruled, right? So right. for instance, in Maine, okay, the authority to decide who is on the ballot rests with the Maine Secretary of State. And, and she just and as, recently said, yeah, no Donald and, Trump. Okay, the, the day we are recording, the night before, the Secretary of State for Maine said what Trump did was an insurrection, and therefore, her Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, he cannot appear on the main ballot. What generated this podcast episode was the Colorado Supreme Court ruling, which, as Nia described, was a four to three ruling concluding that what Trump did was an insurrection, and therefore, per the 14th Amendment, Section 3, he cannot be on the Colorado primary ballot in the spring. But Nia, of the day we are recording, there are at least a handful of states that have ruled differently. Right. Okay. And they dismissed the cases. Michigan, Minnesota, and New Hampshire. And he can be on the, on the ballot. Can. So now we so have Can a we conf- shout out Lawfare Media? Can we take a second and shout out lawfaremedia.org? Uh, yeah. Um, you, got, you guys, the, the, lawfare, the Lawfare blog, okay? Has what, Nia, on their uh, – Has, their... has an, a map that Augie found yes. that is wonderful. Um, that tra- Well, I mean, it's wonderful in the sense that it tracks the litigation in really nice colors. You can click on a state and see what the name of the case yes. is that's going, through the, that's going through the courts. And they have pending, voluntarily dismissed by plaintiff, dismissed, pending appeal, and Trump disqualified decision staying, stayed pending appeal. So there's all kinds of of layers here. There's stuff to look at. These people have, um, this project was created by Hyman Hahn and Caleb Benjamin on October 30th, 2023. Shout out to them because that's... Yes. That's great work that they're doing out there, and we will put a link to it um, on our guide so that you can kind of follow Because this will not be the last we will hear of this, and there will be more states. Like, surely. It, yeah. it, it seems unlikely that this will not spread to the other states, even if it's pro forma in some of the states, like in the deep red states where we know he's going to be allowed to be on the ballot. It's still probably going to go through the system so that they can declare themselves because this is a real question yeah i mean i mean there there are 16 serious question there are 16 states right now before we get to the 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 politics of this i just want to go ahead and and because i've been asked by a number of current and former students even a couple other media organizations okay what might the supreme court do nia Right. Well, on one hand, you would think that the Supreme Court's got to take the case and rule on the merits. They got to go ahead and decide these three legal issues or at least one of them. Right. Because if they go if they go ahead and say that what he did was not an insurrection, everything else goes away. Everything else goes away. Right. Right. Um, However, (laughs) okay, as you pointed out, I can see easily one or two of the Supreme Court justices wanting to avoid ruling on the merits of this case. 
they may understand that they have to take these cases, but they want to figure out a way to avoid issuing a ruling on the merits. And I, they could, yeah, go ahead. I think they're likely – just tell me if I'm wrong, please. I think they're likely not to answer the question of whether it was insurrection or not. I think they're likely to answer the question of whether a state can take someone off of a ballot. Yeah. Like if yeah. this – and then the, if, if it, this it, applies it, to the presidency, if insurrection, if if Section Three applies to the presidency, then it's up to the states to decide if somebody was an insurrectionist or not. I think that's how they're going to go. I think they're going to make it as convoluted and complicated as possible, because it's a hard yeah. question. It's a hard question to answer. I could see we never faced this question with Nixon. Yeah, because he went away. He he. Yeah. 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 He resigned. If he had not resigned, this would have been one of the questions we would have faced with Nixon. Did the president – is what the president did criminal? Does it satisfy the definition of insurrection or giving aid to the enemies of the United States? Right, okay. because he was trying to upset the the election. He was trying to upset the re-election. So I could see – the Supreme Court ruling for Trump on technical grounds. And what I mean what I mean by that, listeners, is they go ahead and say, we are staying. We're issuing a stay that basically delays all current litigation until Special Prosecutor Smith's case, okay, gets adjudicated. Special Counsel Smith's case gets adjudicated, okay? Because again, if Trump is found guilty of obstructing an official proceeding, then I could see the Supreme Court saying, well, he gave aid to the enemies of the United States. He's and disqualified from running. Okay, then he's qualified from running. But what this allows them to do is punt for a few months. <laughs> right, okay. but it's only for a few months, right? Because hasn't prosecute, Special Prosecutor Smith asked them for okay. a review of his case? Like, special, pros, uh, special Prosecutor... Didn't he ask them for something special? Or Special Counsel Smith um, earlier this month, and again, we're recording in late December. Early this month, Special Counsel Smith went ahead and asked the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not uh, uh, Donald Trump had immunity from lawsuit because he was still president. Okay, because part of Trump's defense in this case, okay, in the special uh, prosecutor or counsel's case, is that as president, he was trying to make sure that the election results were fair and accurate. <laughs> That's his claim. Okay. And therefore, because even though were, his lawyers are jumping out of the way of that. Okay, that but nevertheless. That bullet, but okay. Okay. It's what he believes. Okay. Which is <laughs> or, it's, or it's what he's saying in court. I don't know okay. what he believes. But okay, yes. But, okay, but again, that's part of okay, the intent. And Smith's gonna have a really difficult time in regards to intent. Because at some point in time, he's going to call a whole bunch of Trump's former lawyers, many of whom have cut deals in other cases, and say, what did the president believe? 
what did you hear him express, right? But that's his argument, right? Smith asked the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not Trump had immunity. And the Supreme Court said, we're not going to answer that question, okay? That is a motion that needs to first be heard by the trial court judge. And then if either party wants to appeal, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. That's the normal process. Well, Nia, what that does is call into question the trial court's timeline. The judge in that case, in the D.C. case, because this is where it's filed, the judge in that case wanted the trial to occur in March. Realistically, just the appeals on whoever loses on that immunity motion is going to push this now into the summer. At that point, Trump can very realistically go ahead and file another appeal and say, this trial can't go on while I'm trying to campaign for the presidency. Okay. Yep. So this could all get dragged out until after the November 2024 presidential election. Not only could it, it is likely to, because Donald Trump is not a person who concedes in court ever. No. Okay. He'll file an appeal. um, and, And if he loses on the immunity, he will appeal the whole way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you'll force the court to go ahead and address that issue. But that will take months, if not a full year. Because by the time it goes back up to the Supreme Court on the immunity issue, the Supreme Court, okay, will more than likely be near the end of its term. And unless it decides to hear a case during the middle of the summer, can go ahead and push it off until the next Supreme Court term. And they may not hear oral arguments in that case until December right? or or late November. And Nia, when does the presidential election in 2024 occur? The first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. (laughs) Yes. So the end game for Trump. Although the president is not seated until January. That is true. So if the president were if he were elected and then disqualified. I don't know what that would do. Would that mean that we'd have to have another election? Well, would that you, mean that well, his but, vice presidential? But what that would require, if the Supreme Court has stayed the 14th Amendment Section 3 cases, then that litigation would start anew after the liti- after the election. Right. Okay. But what I'm saying is – Okay, let but, us just say for the sake of argument that Donald Trump okay, won the election, but jumping, then was disqualified afterwards. Okay, but you're jumping ahead two or three steps because theoretically, right? I, the, I know, but the United States Congress could go ahead and act. So let's just say, for instance, Trump wins the 2024 presidential election, but the House and the Senate are controlled by the Democratic Party. Could they go ahead and disqualify him? Well, there's already precedent for it, okay? 
that's what they went ahead and did to, you know, one of those other characters that we talked about earlier, right? Yeah, but that person wasn't elected president of the United States. Okay, but again... That's a big move. That's a big, bold move to decide that you're going to... Or they could do impeachment again. Right, which is okay. relatively toothless in this country. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, I mean... People are are found guilty all the time and not punished or not found guilty. Um, I do have a question for you, though, about the, the do political scientists at this point, are they starting to refer to the United States system in the same way they, they prefer, they refer to the political systems of third world countries where it's just such a mess that it can't even that it's almost incomprehensible. Like this is not a thing that when I was a kid, people thought would yeah. ever happen. Like we it just, it just is yeah, not. There's a, there's a growing number, a growing body of political scientists, um, you know, from um, uh, Levitsky and Zablat, um, you know, how democracies die. In fact, they just got a new book out uh, talking about, um, uh, the United States specifically. Um, you have other political scientists um, who worry that if Trump gets uh, elected to a second term, um, that he's going to use the uh, power of the office of president um, to engage in behavior that typically you see uh, from authoritarian um, uh, regimes in third world countries, right? Um, in, 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 in some of his, um, uh, campaign speeches, um, uh, uh, this, uh, fall, you know, Trump has said that he's going to target his enemies. Right. You know, that's the kind of thing he's that alluded you, to personal yeah, vendettas. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing you typically see with authoritarian regimes, um, in third world countries. Um, yeah, there's a growing body of political science literature on that point. Can I so okay, so can we can we talk just briefly about I, I, I just feel the need to say this. I know this this may upset some listeners and I'm sorry if it does, if it upsets you, but I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think having the courts solve this question is a good idea. I don't like the idea of the courts disenfranchising voters. Right? If if you want to vote for Donald Trump, then I think that that's how democracy works, right? If if enough people vote for Donald Trump that they vote him into office, which did not happen in 2020, by the way, that election <laughs> was not stolen, right? It didn't happen. But if it had happened, then that would be how things work. Like there have been plenty of presidents in my lifetime, but I was like, meh. That's how I felt about them, right? Yeah. I've never – there's not been a president in my lifetime that I thought, that's it. I'm moving to Canada. Um, but I've, I've I've been some – I've been pretty antithetical about some, but mostly just generally meh about them. Like that's how politics is supposed to work. That's how That's how elections are supposed to work is that there is an opportunity for people to vote. And I don't like this idea that the courts – can say, yep, that guy's not on the ballot. I don't know. That just feels like, does that is? Am I crazy or does that feel like disenfranchisement? Uh, 
I don't. I don't think you're crazy. I mean, uh, about I, this. I, I mean, we both know. Well, you know <laughs> jury's out on on most of the rest of my life, but but uh, I share your skepticism, Nia. Um, and, and, and again, mind you, I'm a courts person. I'm an institutions person. Um, but I I am concerned um, when um, um, we attempt to use the law in the courts to disenfranchise a whole bunch of Americans, in part because we don't trust their judgment. Right. right. But we're going to trust the judgment of non-elected yeah. courts. To, I don't know. That just seems sketchy. There are some analogs here that I find to be ironic, bordering on hypocritical, right? So, Nia, on this podcast, um, we have discussed uh, a couple different times how the Electoral College gets criticized for being anti-democratic because theoretically a bunch of elites can second-guess or overturn the will of the majority in a particular state. Right. And one of the criticisms we hear is that the Electoral College needs to be removed. I'm like, okay, but are we not with these lawsuits going to court and in many instances relying upon unelected government officials to second guess or overturn the judgment of a whole bunch of our fellow citizens? That's one, right? Two, if you're that afraid of a second term of a Trump administration, then why not run a candidate with a <laughs> Thank platform? You. Okay? Thank you. Beat, that, beat the individual. If you can't beat the individual, it's because you don't have a strong enough argument on your side. Yeah. I You're mean, not attracting enough voters yeah. to your side. Run a better candidate. Run a better candidate. That's, that's the answer. Okay. Run okay. a better candidate. I There's a part of me. Uh, you, we were talking about this during our, our George Santos episode. So, yes. Like, like, dude, you can't run somebody against that guy. And beat and him. Beat him. I mean, hello. <laughs> if not, then you deserve to lose. Like that, there's some instances where, um, it, it, I, it, I don't it, know. And it, there's a couple of fears that I have. Okay, so I share your skepticism, but I have a couple of fears. One, okay, going to court and trying to remove Trump from the ballot continues to feed the narrative that we have heard from Donald Trump. Oh, that the deep state is out to get him. Yeah. Okay. That, okay the media that is out, to, is get out to get him. And, yep. Okay. Okay. And this is like throwing raw meat to his supporters. Right. Right. They have bought it lock, stock and barrel. Why do we continue to go ahead and feed that narrative? Right. So I have a fear that that's, how it's going to be perceived, particularly if he loses. And along those lines, those people will lose even more faith in those institutions. Institutions, yes. They're already 
they already have low faith in those institutions, they will have no faith in those institutions. And the longer that goes with people not respecting the Supreme Court, not respecting the court State system court in general, general, yes, that's a bad that – is, that is more disastrous in the long run than any presidential run of any chucklehead or turkeyhead or whatever you want to call them – President Ogunbaugh and President Rogers, I am <laughs> looking at you, right? It's It would be way worse to have people lose their faith in the Supreme Court than to have either one of us be president for four years. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, and, and, and you're talking about the institutions. Here's my second fear. Let's say these challengers who want to use – the 14th Amendment, Section 3, are successful. <laughs> oh Can you imagine gosh. what's going to happen? Unless somebody has a very clear definition of what insurrection is. Okay. We will see this battle play out over and over, over, and, over, over. and over. And over. And, and for me, there's a couple analogs, right? We've already seen this, and you mentioned this a few moments ago, Nia, with impeachment. Impeachment has been used so much. It's toothless. It's now a joke. Right. right? I've uh, been impeached practically. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't okay. think that presidents even blink anymore. I think they go, yeah, whatevs. And in particular, because when the impeachment is fails, when the effort fails. Right. Then it just looks political. Not only does it look uh, political, but in a couple instances – person, the president who was the target of the impeachment, their support goes up. Clinton. I mean, think about Bill Clinton example, right? Okay, right. the guy more beloved afterwards. Afterwards, okay. A after having an affair, affair that comes to light, mm -hmm. and most people would find that repulsive. And he lies under oath in a deposition, but right. because the Republicans who wanted to impeach him, did not have enough votes in the Senate, okay, failed. Afterwards, okay, he leaves at the end of his second term with some of the highest, okay, right. <laughs> public approval rankings of any second-term president since we've been doing polling. I mean— Yeah, it's crazy. Trump it, is it's impeached— It's crazy. Trump is impeached twice— and it has not discouraged his supporters. If anything, it's fed that narrative. And I think you make a really important point there that I would like to bring out again before we before we close out the the episode, which is that if you play this game, it only opens the door for the other side to play this game harder. Yes, like. Americans, there's a reason that Americans that our national sport is not badminton, <laughs> right? It's a slow, gentle game. For the most part, it's really hard to take somebody's head off with a little, with I can't even, shuttlecock, right? Yeah. Like you can't even hit that thing hard enough to really hurt an opponent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, unless you got very lucky. It, it's what we do when we do this is we turn it more and more and more into my beloved hockey. Yes. which is just a fight in which occasionally somebody scores a goal. Like it, it's – the more you make this a, a contest of, oh, yeah, 
really? Okay, hang on. Somebody hold my beer for a minute. Then you turn into this, this, you know. So you're talking about red states who will make it hard for Democrats to be on the, on, on the, the ballot, ballot, and and blue states that will make it hard for Republicans to be on the ballot, and then you just get gerrymandering at a statewide level, instead yeah. of, and and, and and to your point, or rather a nationwide level. level. But I mean, to your point. We've already seen this with Supreme Court nominations, right? We've discussed this on this podcast. Countless numbers of my students have heard me say this over and over again, right? It We're at a point now to where, you know, very qualified candidates don't ever get considered right. because of the way the Supreme Court nomination process has become politicized. It has become a game of, oh, really? Okay, you do this? Well, we're going to do this, right? It's a game right. of tip for tat, right? One-upsmanship. Okay, and and where's the end point? Because neither political party right now has states people who are willing to go right. ahead and say, okay, to their supporters, right. okay, you know yes. why a school bus can't go 90 miles an hour? Because there's a governor on it. There's a governor on the engine that prevent or on this on the uh, accelerator later. Yes, that prevents you from going 90 miles an hour. It's because yeah. they don't want a 16 year old driving a bus <laughs> with a bunch of you know eight year olds in it careening down the highway at 90 Woo! miles an hour. Exactly, <laughs> with all the windows down and their heads hanging out. You know, they don't want that for good reason. Yes. And and we seem to lack a governor. And by that, I don't mean governors of the states. I mean, governor, I mean like governor. the one on your accelerator where everybody just needs to slow down. It, you know, it always comes back to me to the argument of we should get rid of the. Um, Electoral college. No, when you talk in Congress endlessly. Uh, oh, the uh, filibuster. Filibuster. Yeah. We should get rid of the filibuster. I'm like, no, we shouldn't. No. no, we shouldn't. You think that now because your side's in charge, but you are not going to want that when you are not in charge, and you will eventually not be in charge. charge. That's right. So that's the thing is that we seem to have lost our ability to say, oh, that's right. This swings. This pendulum swings, and it doesn't stay on my side. It always goes to the other side, and maybe if I was a moderate, I would see the pendulum more often than I would if I was at the edges. Yeah, and, and again, with a pendulum, okay, unless you are a thrill seeker, right, okay, you know, most of us want that pendulum, okay. To to make slow, to, gentle, to all, yes. and, not, and not very deep on either side. Either side, that's right? right. Like, we want a pendulum that swings just a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it, so... Uh, I, I I have some I have some deep concerns about this. And again, listeners, do not mistake right new, this new, for being pro-Trump. Sure, yeah, which is not the same thing. Neither, uh, did, ne did Donald Trump act badly on January sixth? I think we can pretty much all say yes. Yes. I think even his supporters, if they were being honest, would say, "Well, he probably should have called that off sooner, or whatever." You know what I mean? Like, and in particular, but, I, but I'm in, not in, sure that we should go to this place. To this place, okay? Because again, you know, and and I am reminded by 
decades of civil rights movement who wanted, you know, people of color, people who had been discriminated against in the political arena, an opportunity to be to be on the ballot and for their votes to count, right? right. And by using this process, you are basically saying to a whole bunch of Americans, and again, I may understand why you distrust, okay, you know, <laughs> their voting decisions, but they are citizens with voting rights. You are basically taking it out of their hands. And I'm like, but this is not what we had in part the civil rights movement for. Right. And and be careful about this because that what it means is that people who have the money to fight these kinds of these cases. Battles. Yeah. I mean, they, they it takes will, money. This litigation will, will costs have, money. Right. They will have a heavier thumb on the scale yeah. than we want them to have because states with money can can do this. I, I love Mississippi, but it doesn't have any money. It can't no. fight a case like this. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like it can't yeah. when you're talking about lawyers to go to the Supreme Court, you are talking about a lot of money. That's you're a big to, investment. You're talking about special interest groups, okay, right. who have generated millions of dollars every year for litigation, right? And, you know, again, contrary to, to popular belief or accepted wisdom, you have groups on both sides of the ideological spectrum that, that are fall doing into that. the yeah, fall right. into that into that category, right? Right. So that basically means most of us who don't have the resources, who don't have the time, okay, are shut out of that system. That's right. Okay. And again, Okay. And then you take away my vote. Now you're yeah. just making me crabby all the way around. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. And again, if I had to venture a guess, if we had the election today, okay, I seriously doubt that either one of us in this podcast, okay, would be like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to vote for Donald Trump. Okay. And if that says where we are, okay, sorry, listeners, if this offends Trump supporters as listeners, I apologize. Okay, but that's only my personal belief about who I want. But I want that choice. I want that choice. Right? Yeah, and just as a side note, I'm not chomping at the bit to vote for anybody in this election so far. Oh, my far. God, no. I mean, right now. I, I, my choices are like, oh, a deep pit or a large fire. Awesome. <laughs> You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I, the whole Cillian Charybdis, I never understood that until adulthood. And now I'm like, oh, I totally get that. Nia, I totally get. Nia, we are a long way from 2008 and 2012 when I actually thought we had honest to goodness, realistic, okay, I can be positive about the direction of this country choice <laughs> for president right okay. yeah. When yeah. It was I'm, Barack, Barack I'm Obama starting to John think McCain. that I should jump into the election because I don't know how how yes. I could do worse than but, the candidates uh, that I have seen but thus use, far but using the legal process a, a, again and, and, it, just and, feels, it, and it also feels a little 
slimy slimy like, i mean it's it's like that's just not how we should be doing it we shouldn't be we should not be um oh, uh, my mom regularly says to me uh we need term limits we need term limits and i'm like we have term limits they're called elections right yes. like yeah. you can get rid of people just cuz you don't doesn't mean you can't I know that incumbents win something like 99.78% of the time or whatever it is. It's some huge amount. It is a huge amount. But but that's how this works. That's how the system works. And if you really rise up against people and turn them out of office, somebody should ask, what was his name? Paul Ryan. Yes. How'd that, how'd that feel there, buddy? Or yes. um, the guy from Virginia. Um who Dave Bratt replaced? Uh, Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor, who had yes. been who had been in Congress for approximately nine thousand years, he got turned out. Like it, it happens. So I don't know. I want my, I want to put my faith in the people, not in the courts necessarily. Um, well, I think well, the we... courts have an important role in our in our society, and I don't want mean to slam the courts. I love the courts, but. I don't think they should be deciding elections. I think people should be, I think uh, voters should be deciding elections. And if my candidate pales in comparison to your candidate, then that's how it goes. And I come around next time with somebody better. And when you go to court, courts pick winners and losers, right? Right. And in the, well, actually everybody loses. It's just by how much. much. And, and, And I say this to my students with some regularity. You know, when you go to court to get the change that you want, understand that you may not get as much change as you hoped for. Right. But what it does to the losers is that they have no desire then to work with you going forward. Right. All right. So, you know. Way to be alienating an entire party of people here. Okay. Even those who may not be Trump supporters. I right. Mean, I, I think you and I have kind of sort of outed ourselves as in the past, not being huge fans of Donald Trump as a political candidate. Although that, we do try to be f- fair, relatively okay. fair to him. I mean, okay. you know, we try to be. Okay. But nevertheless, okay. Taking away the preferred candidate. Okay. And I'm just using the 2020 presidential election results of. Right. You know, 70 million Americans. Hello. Okay. To me, that's not that to me. That's that strikes me as is undemocratic. Right. Uh, right. right. Okay. And un-American. Okay. And and, and 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 again, you give them no reason to go ahead now to trust you. Right. Or, or the, the system. system or the institutions within the system, because right. now they think the system is rigged against them. And again, this takes me back to, okay, various civil rights movements in the in, in, that we've had in the United States. We can't trust the system. The system is rigged. Okay, we just want a legitimate shot to participate in the political life of the country, right? Right. We want the vote. Right. Okay. Um, so. so we, I'm sure, will be back with this map and. Um, and with more cases as they as they get settled or yes. with the Supremes as they decide what they're going to do about all this. Yes. Because this is this is not a mess that's going away. 
it, oh, it's, it, it's not. Uh, oh, it, unless it, 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 someone in this dies an unforeseen and tragic soon death, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, which it, we do not wish, by the way, on anyone involved well, in this process. But well, unless but that it, happens, unless Donald Trump passes away, this is this is here to stay. This this complicated question and all these court cases and all this stuff, it's not going away. No, and and I would hate. I mean, in Nia, you've heard me say this off recording a number of times. I would not want to be a Supreme Court justice having Ugh. a role on these issues. Yeah, no okay. kidding. Um, I recuse myself for the next three years. <laughs> I'm going on sabbatical. <laughs> I've been thinking about something I want to run by you as an idea. I'm going to just put it out now, and then we'll talk about it later in another episode. What do you think about having a Supreme Court emeritus where we we put in sort of like you you need to – you need to retire by a certain age, but then you're on the emeritus court. And if somebody is recused, we call the emeritus court and bring somebody in. I actually think it's uh, an idea that we should consider um, because um, that other courts have extra extra judges. um, And it would address um, one of the reasons why the Supreme court says they cannot recuse themselves as often as lower court judges which is that there's only nine of them. Right. And if, and if one justice. So if we had an emeritus court. Well, if we had know, a bunch of Let's them. say you make the retirement age 75. Okay. Um, you have to retire from the court at 75, but you're perfectly mentally healthy. You can work. So you hear all the cases, but you don't actually rule on them unless somebody has to recuse themselves. Well, you don't even have get pulled in unless a justice recuses himself. I mean, right. so think about it. Right now, we have three former Supreme Court justices alive, and by all accounts, they are healthy, and they did not retire because they were losing their mental faculties. And I'm talking about Justices Souter, Kennedy, and Breyer. All right. Right. Um, Why not not use those guys? um, And in in Souter's case, he has been serving – uh, uh, in lower federal court cases uh, by designation when they've needed an extra um, uh, federal uh, uh, court judge. See? Case. So there we go. So that's what we're going to run on. That's that's organized platform. Yes. Is we're yep. going to have a retirement age for, for, for the Supreme Court, and then we will use them as extras. Yeah. And, cool. and and we could probably extend that even to the uh, bureaucracy, right? Okay. You know, you do, <laughs> hey, ex-presidents. You to, well, well, no, all I was thinking about is if you can't find somebody to get accepted by the Senate to run a particular federal agency, we have a cadre of former executive branch officials who are good managers. They can be interims. Okay, who can be interims, Okay. Uh, in many instances, they are non-political. You know, these are the generalists of the past that you've heard uh, Nia, uh, Bill Newman, and I talk about. You know, folks like you know Bill Ruckel's house, and okay, and you know others of that kind, right? But nevertheless, okay, um, you know th- that might be a future episode for us to go ahead and consider. You know, yeah. the the Rogers Augenbaugh, okay, federal government. 
Federal <laughs> Government Reform Commission. What would there we our go. Re reform commission? I mean, it's kind of sort of like some of the commissions we discussed in our, you know, previous podcast series. We'll just make up one and then say what we would do with it. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> cool. I think it's an excellent idea because we don't have enough work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, right. Nia, thank you. Thank you, Augie. <laughs> You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.